0: Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles podcast. I'm Dan Pizzuta, joined with Rich Uvar. Rich, here we are, week away from the draft. Uh, we've uh, been going through some positions. We'll be uh, back next week with a, a full, like, kind of full breakdown with uh, Ryan McChrystal. Um, so that'll be coming next week, just before the draft kicks off. But for this, this is our last little uh, positional breakdown. We're going to dive into running backs today. But before we do that, how are we doing today?
1: Doing real good. I'm ready. You know, we're kind of in that eleventh uh, hour pre-draft where you know you're starting to just get like this avalanche of like stuff that's probably BS, uh, largely, and you know craziness and crazy rumors. So like this is always the period where like we're just ready for the draft to get here uh, and get started, so we actually see where some of these guys go off the board.
0: Yeah, like all all the draft takes have been given out, so it's just we're we're in crazy crazy mode now. Um, the guys coming, coming hot uh, this, this next week, apparently, uh, you know, Will Levis is going to be the, the second overall pick, or at least QB2 right now, Which and just uh, stay away from Twitter for for the next couple of days until, you know, we, we really settle down in, in the last days before the draft.
1: Yeah, you know, it's been a little quieter this year, too, on the trade front. Last year was kind of fun, like, where we had a bunch of trades. Maybe we'll see some stuff in, in like, during the draft, like when, you know, we had A.J. Brown and Marquise Brown get traded. Maybe we'll finally get, like, the Hopkins trade during the draft or, you know, Aaron Rodgers or, or whatnot. But uh, it's been a little quiet on, like, the actual player movement front uh, outside of, you know, the big Allen Robinson trade of yesterday.
0: The big seventh round swaps. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you're right like it, it has been and as someone who was writing up all the the free agency moves and everything there was there was a like a hard stop uh mm-hmm. when did anything really impactful happen and, and we've gone like a couple weeks without really much like uh chosen Robbie Anderson uh, signed with the Dolphins uh the other day and like that's really like the biggest free agent move we've had uh over the past like two weeks. Um, so that says something about what, what's going on there and how teams are, are mostly, you know, looking looking at the draft. So, I mean, here we are. So let's just dive into it because we we do have running backs, which it, it's a much different conversation than what we've had with a lot of these other positions because so we kind of talked about it with the wide receivers a little bit of of where these guys go what role they're going to be projected to play is going to be uh, a big deal with how these prospects are going that's tenfold the case uh with these running backs i think we we have one on top that we'll talk about but the guys after that just kind of where do they go where do they get drafted how much draft capital uh is put in them and that's probably going to be more of an indicator of their success than anything we're really scouting uh -hmm. at this moment and trying to figure out you know which guys are the best but we'll still you know play around with that a little Mm -hmm. bit but there's so much like a landing spot uh playing time scheme uh surrounding talent is so much more predictive of what these guys are going to do than anything else
1: yeah, and the NFL landscape is a little bit different where you can look at from a top-down view that this running back class is one of the more talented classes we've had in recent years, and the wide receiver class maybe not as talented as it was in recent years, but the fact is when you look at the NFL – landscape there's just more viable running backs than clear-cut jobs right now where it's the inverse for the wide receivers that we talked about like the, the wide receiver class may not be as top-down talented as the running back class but there's just a plethora of opportunity like every NFL team needs wide receivers mm-hmm. right now it's so like those guys are going to run in opportunities even if the perception is it's not as talented class as it was in recent years but these running backs like there will be injuries and stuff that open up the doors but even like when you look at Bijan Robinson like it's hard to project him to like a clear team in the first round that even needs him. Right. Uh, And then when you go move further down the line uh, of this draft class, it becomes even more like obscure to say like, all right, well, where's like a clear cut fit for these guys? Because the NFL, like I said, just doesn't have as many open running back jobs as there are viable candidates for jobs.
0: Yeah, that's definitely like one of the other things with the running backs. And that's, why part of this you know the the running back value question is is there in a way that there are a lot of very talented running backs and the the gap between you know the elite guys and you know the slightly like above replacement level guys it is not as big so that's kind of why we see we we see that all the time at the nfl level and then especially like going into what these these college guys are doing and one of the things that really stood out to me and it's not really something i we know that rushing in college is more efficient than it is uh, in the nfl um and that's one of the the disconnects of of those two uh, levels why you know the passing passing has gone up at the college level but one of the reasons why it's not as bad to be you run because you can have an extremely efficient running game uh, at the college level and be able to actually sustain that and like looking at these prospects you look at it there have there are 14 guys uh, in this draft class who average six yards per carry or more Uh, In 2022. And that's just like, not a number that's going to happen at the NFL level. Um, So it's kind of one of those things where you have to kind of look at what these guys are doing and project and and that's uh, a bit of the disconnect of where these guys are are so good in college and uh, why it matters a little more there. uh, And how the roles can be kind of chopped down and it's harder Uh, for some of these guys to you know sustain that type of success why it's not quite as efficient uh, at the next level so all of that just kind of combines into you know how we view this position going into the draft
1: yeah it's interesting too when you look at it from like a landscape to a perspective like we just had josh jacobs lead the nfl in rushing yards and, and and yards from scrimmage last year he gets franchise tagged and the running back franchise tag, the average of the top five salaries of the position is equal to what Jacoby Myers got in free agency. Uh, it's just, it's just wild. The, the actual, like it, you want to just label it like a devalued dis- the position uh, from a blanket stance. It's just the gap, just the, dis- the discrepancy shows up, right. When you, when you break it down in that capacity, um, that what are you even really getting, even if Bijan is like this amazing hit? Like we lived it with Saquon, right? Like we're doing it right now with Saquon, uh, who was taken, you know, second overall in the draft. Maybe he goes a little bit lower if Gettleman's not there, but he's probably still going to be like a top 10 pick in that draft class. Um The Giants have now run the course of that rookie free, a rookie contract and like what was really gained, right? There was no leverage gained. Uh So there's not even like contractual leverage to be gained here. So well, I guess get into it. We can start with Bijan, and like just from a top-down stance of, would you even take him in round one? Uh, then we can talk about maybe like who we believe will take him because he will go in round one, uh, and and all those things.
0: Yeah, that's so. That's where we do have to start. Is Bijan Robinson, who is, it, it's one of those things. It's in the the Barkley mode where it's a guy who is it consistently if you're doing a position agnostic big board he's mm-hmm. a top five uh type of talent from from a lot of these scouts um you know you can see him as high as you know one or two on some of these boards in terms of like what this player is but you can't discount the the positional value here and that's that's what's hard and and again it's not that these running backs are are bad or that the, the running game doesn't matter, which, like, we, we've we seen so much. Like, it it does. I, the, the running game as a whole does matter, and we've seen it even more so in, in 2022, um, you know, when we saw uh, a little you know the the rise of light boxes the rise of some of the two the high shells they were very efficient teams at using that type of defensive structure and and running straight at it like the lions had a very fun diverse run game uh they were they were winning well with it like the eagles had a very good and diverse run game um but like that's that's kind of what it is not necessarily a singular running back talent but we'll, we'll get into Robinson, right because Let me ask you about that because you brought
1: up the Eagles and we can include the Falcons, another team that sometimes we see Bijan get mocked to in the top 10. Are you looking at the Eagles and Falcons in the capacity that they've already shown they can take baseline talent at the position and coax out scheme wise like this just immense production, right? and immense efficiency when you look at all the running backs on those teams uh from a talent perspective no one really stands out miles Sanders was a high draft pick uh, obviously he's not on a team anymore rashad penny is a high draft pick and, and hyper efficient with seattle are you looking at it and saying like wow they could just break through the ceiling if they had an actually talented guy or are you looking at it and saying like they've already proven we can get all this immense production out of baseline level to predict a position do we just take a second third round guy
0: Yeah, I mean, that's obviously the question, right? Um, Especially when you look at Atlanta, who had that run game, and uh, by the end of the season, like Tyler Algier, who's a fifth-round pick, was one of the most uh, efficient running backs in the league, Uh, and they were able to, because of the scheme, uh, they re-signed a a bunch of that offensive line, which is a fairly good run-blocking offensive line, Um, so well, I'm not sure how much more efficient it would get with a more talented runner, especially when Algier was, was very good. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you look at the Eagles, you know, like you said, Biles Sanders was a, a second round pick, but that's the best offensive line in the league right now. You have Jason Kelsey back for at least one more year. Um, you have some of the best guards in the league. You have two of the best tackles in the league. Again, how much more efficient are you getting from, you know, a uh, from a you know a, what Miles Sanders did last year and Miles Sanders did you know leave some to beat on the bone so maybe it is there but again this is a team that has not put that type of uh, dra- draft capital into the position you know um i think you look at uh ESPN did a, a big draft day predictor, is something uh, Brian Burdock of ESPN uh, Analytics uh, has put out for a while. Like he did it back on his Advanced uh, NFL uh, Analytics site um, a while ago, and kind of brought it back the past couple of years for for ESPN. And right now, the most mocked position uh, for Bijan Robinson to go is number ten to the Eagles, and I just it, it's hard for me to see the Eagles doing that, especially for a team that is up against the cap. And, and I think we, we get a little kind of talked about this in, in a previous episode. I think we get a little too far ahead of ourselves in the, the rookie contracts and and what it means for second contracts, because like you, first of all, you just need the guy to get to the second contract in order for that to matter. But for a team, especially like the Eagles that is up against the cap uh, a little bit this year with all of the guys they brought back, for you to be taking in like a seven or so uh, what, let's see what with the top, as I have this up right now, the Eagles right now uh, for their first pick would be at 10. It's, it's about, you know, $4 million just for that first year. So, you know, that's, that's already a significant amount of money to be putting at, at that position. So they are a team that is probably going to need to be looking at you know, getting some more contractual value out of there. So I, I don't think that's something we need to, you know, go into. John Robinson's not worth it because of the contractual value. But uh, for a team specifically like the Eagles, where they're up against the cap, they have this veteran team, already a great offensive line. It's probably not the smartest way for them to continue to to build this roster. And those are, like you said, are the two most, um, you know, the popular places that people have mocked them uh, so far uh, as we lead up to the draft.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm totally with you. And I, I just think with the, the both of those run games have shown that they can. you can take a guy that maybe isn't as talented as Bijan Robinson but offers more talent than maybe the guys you have. Uh, or, you know, in the Eagles' case, you're just looking for maybe more insurance on, like, Rashad Penny's health, who he had a really palatable deal uh, for a guy that's been hyper-efficient. He just needs to stay on the field. So you get a little more insurance. But, like, if you're Atlanta and you want – I don't even think Atlanta really needs to add a running back at all, period. But, like, if you do – you just go with a guy because this class is deep from a talent perspective. And we're going to have a lot more talented guys in the second and third round, fourth round uh, than there was last year. And we were talking about the class and saying, well, man, is James Cook like the RB3 in this class? Is Zamir White the RB3 in this class? Like, yeah, it, like it's just a totally different like you're talking about down the board here uh in this draft class where you've got just a huge gaggle of guys. You know, even in my like breakdown from a fantasy stance, I have like eight guys in like tier three, right? Like we're like, I don't really see there's a huge gap between like my RB4 and my RB12. And that's just a significant difference than where we, we were a year ago. And I think that the you might not be getting Bijan in those rounds and the ceiling, but like if you can plug in a number of guys that are just more talented than what was available last year, I mean, you're still offering a, a pretty high ceiling in terms of a run game
0: uh, for investment. Yeah, and so I think if we get into... John Robinson as as a prospect. I think I think the the interesting thing is like like what does he bring to the the offense as a whole that could potentially change it, right? because as much as we talk about kind of running back value, I was I was very and probably like one of the few like guys who would be considered like an analytics leaning person who was very in favor of the Christian McCaffrey trade for the San Francisco 49ers. -hmm. But also it it was because of that spot, right? Kyle Shanahan using that type of player. You can, and and we saw it how often you could split McCaffrey out wide. He was in the slot. He was wide. You can move all of those guys around. A, A lot of that was also because of how you can move everyone else around on that offense, right? You can put Debo in the backfield that makes McCaffrey being out in the slot more valuable. Right, just because you can put a running back in the slot, if you don't have someone who's going to be able to be a threat in the backfield when you do that, it, it doesn't matter quite as much. Mm-hmm. Right, we kind of get into like that the Mike Gesicki type thing if we like kind of switch positions here. Like Mike Gesicki is just a slot receiver, and it, when he came out, like it was viewed as versatile, but actually not really because there are a very there's a very set thing that you can do with Mike Kiszely, and you can't really do anything else. So I think that hampers you a little bit. But if it goes into, and that's kind of where all this fit is going to need to make sense because John Robinson, like, does have that type of, um, like that that type of, of pass catching uh, ability, right? Um, he's one of those guys who uh, was able to. He, he didn't split out the, a lot. At all, like just uh, 5% per sports in both solutions. I ran a decent number of routes, but 2.4 yards per route run, which is one of the higher rates um, among the running backs in this class. So a productive catcher out of the backfield, but it's not in the way like in the the McCaffrey sense where he's kind of changing the dynamic of uh, the offense where you can kind of move those pieces around a little bit. Maybe he could be, he just wasn't really asked to. Um, at, at Texas, but um, uh, if you look at um, Rashawn Johnson, who was also at Texas, he, he's yeah only split out like six percent. So it wasn't really a a thing that Texas tried to do with their offense. So maybe you can project that a little bit, um, but I think there's there's a difference there, and that's where these guys, if they completely change your offense, I think like that's where they take the next step up. Not totally sure if John Robinson, right now, in the way that he has played so far, is like that type of prospect.
1: Yeah, 100%. He, I mean, Texas loved them some Bijan wheel routes, uh, for sure. Yeah, it's, uh,
0: absolutely. Like, it, it was a good receiving back? Um, but like, again, you can find like, you can find 80% of that in somewhere else. That's potentially right, you know a part of that so uh, the thing yeah from though- like a
1: pure receiving stance you're probably going to see jameer gibbs use more at, in like that capacity than yep. you will Bijan robinson it's not to make gibbs better because gibbs obviously is not doing any of the grunt work in an offense um and he didn't do it in alabama so we shouldn't expect him to do it in the nfl uh but yeah i mean bijan was a guy it was it was a lot of it was on wheel routes he was the only guy he was the only running back in this class table for 100 air yards last year Uh, And he led the draft class in percent of team air yards, but it was a lot on those wheel routes Uh, to give him some credit too, he was also really good in pass pro too. So he is like kind of one of those guys that projects to be three downs. But like you said, it's, it's not like that McCaffrey stance, um, which is kind of like, and and to be fair, like not a lot of guys can do that.
0: (laughs) Right. But I think like those, that's the, how you, you know, change the offense a little bit. But I, I think when we go to this, like he's, he's going in the first round oh yeah I, like it's it's going to happen um i think when you to go back to um the the espn uh draft model right now there is a just based on kind of the mocks and, and some of the big boards that they have that, that go into this model there's uh a little over a 10 percent chance he's available at the 19th overall pick which is when the, the Buccaneers are going to pick. Um, so obviously he is mocked often to to the Eagles. I think that's kind of established. That's that's a bit of a miss from a lot of these mock drafters who kind of just like are trying to put him somewhere. Um, he's going to be a first rounder. I don't think he's going to be an early first rounder, which I think does change some of the math a, a little bit, right? When you look at what's going on, like if he was uh, that 10th overall pick, we said he's, uh, you know, makes a four million dollar cap hit uh year one by the time he's in his fourth year it's a seven million dollar cap hit uh but if he goes you know let's just say you know where the Bengals are right now which could potentially be interesting right we have the the joe mixon question a little Mm -hmm. bit of if he's going to be on the roster it's kind of a surprise he's still on the roster if we it went into what we were expecting going into the off season. Um, so if he goes at number 28 or the Bengals are picking right now, it's a 2 million, $2.4 million cap hit uh, this year, about $4.2 million by the time he gets to uh, that fourth year. So that's not quite, you know, the the type of contractual uh, obligations. That's a, a fairly decent deal for someone who you expect to be as good. So I think that there is a much bigger you know, difference between, being a very early pick and a, and a late round first uh, when we talk about a, a first round running back. Uh, but also you, you don't want to take this guy because you think like it's a luxury pick. You you want to kind of have a plan for him and hope he is going to be, you know, a big significant piece of that offense that can, that can change what you're doing.
1: It's hard for me to find like a, uh, like an objective kind of fit for him. It's mostly yeah. talking to myself into like, well, this team might be, bad enough to make this decision right like you know like i look at like a team yeah. like the chargers right like the chargers stand out to me and it's Gainstein steam that he could go there but like you have the eckler stuff they might feel like their offense is like adding more offense on justin herbert's rookie contract is a is an answer right like it's like ah, but like is it the right thing? The Buccaneers at the state of their franchise, if they take him, oh my
0: god, like be but just, you could you could see them talking themselves into it, right? Totally, because yeah, you have totally. you have Baker, you might want a little more of that play action. The, the
1: Buccaneers need to the just run just pull, game like they need bit, to,
0: yeah.
1: They need to just commit to, to tearing this thing down instead. But like the fact that the Buccaneers are going with this one foot in, one foot-out approach is surely not going to catch up with them, right? Yeah,
0: like um, yeah, I, I totally. I don't really know what the Buccaneers are doing. Again, I, I've looking at that roster, bringing all the defensive pieces back that they did, uh, but then rolling with the Baker and Kyle Trask is is weird. But like you, you could see them talking themselves into we have we have Baker. Uh, if we get a strong run game, <laughs> yeah, Todd Balls especially
1: if we play good defense, we run the ball.
0: <laughs> I mean.
1: Be good thing surprised. seattle took a took a guy because seattle at 20 especially with two first round picks uh you could totally see them being a team to like yeah we've got to do it if he makes it to 20 but good thing they took kenneth walker last year
0: yeah again you you know you see the the buccaneers there he's got the the cowboys have been a, a popular pick uh because of getting rid of uh, ezekiel elliott um you know, it's really hard
1: though it's hard to look
0: at it though and say like this is a spot for him to go right it's really just trying to coax out like well who could do it yeah and that's yeah it's a it's a hard thing to to place that's probably like if you were the the guys you you know do the mock drafts a lot like yeah the two guys on our site like Ryan McChrystal uh Brendan Donahue the guys who have to like actually think about where John Robinson is going to go on like a regular basis like we can just kind of jump on here and, and podcast and, and talk about it a little bit for uh for 20 minutes and, and then we don't really have to think about it again till draft night which is nice um yeah it's it's a it's an interesting place because it really does show the differences we've had at viewing the position and what makes it successful, um, you know, over the past couple of years, because it's just a, it's a completely different world. And again, like we'll, we'll get into the rest of these running backs. Uh, we can, you know, talk about, you know, guys we like some guys, we might want to see in good landing spots. But again, it's, it's so if it's much that about hard some to of place Bijan. If it's that
1: it's, hard, if it's this hard to, to, to place Bijan in like a clear spot, like the rest of the class is even harder.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things, and if you look at like uh, you know uh, a grinding the box, and you look at you know the, some of the like the top hundred guys, like and Jameer Gibbs is is the only other guy who's you know going in like the the second round right now, um, which is interesting, and and he's the kind of guy like he is interesting and kind of you know his availability is also what makes the John Robinson conversation tougher because. um you know, Gibbs is the kind of guy, like you said, he's not going to be giving uh, a lot of. He, he did not get a, a lot of carries, right? Uh, when he was at Alabama. 151 carries last year with 6.1 yards per attempt. Uh, he's decent. Uh, You know, yards after the catch, but where he really you know came in was in the the passing game. Split out Mm -hmm. 16 percent of the time, uh, 218 routes and and two yards per route run. So that is something where you can you know move him around a little bit. Um, And I I think we one of the things now is it it is interesting when I was kind of looking at this class a little bit, and, and Gibbs is so much of it plays into a part of that of how few guys really get the ball a lot in college too. And that is you know, a plus, I guess, a little bit, because there's not as much wear on these guys. But if you're looking for that type of you know, three down back, you're not really going to find someone who did it in college all that often. You look at some of these guys, there were, again, 14 guys who had uh, 200 carries or more last year a lot of guys are you know in the the high to to mid 100s uh we got two guys who might potentially be prospects uh Rashawn johnson uh one of them from texas who had fewer than 100 carries last year um so it, it is an interesting kind of a dynamic here where you're starting to look at some of these guys but you're also looking at how the nfl is going and there's not a lot of three down backs in the nfl either and we talked talk about that you know with the fantasy all the time if you're looking for a guy who's handling every carry and getting all the passes they they don't really exist that much so I think we're also seeing that go into some of the running back conversations here and Gibbs is going to be you know a big part of that because he was part of a committee in Alabama and probably going to play a similar type of role uh, in the NFL even if he's, you know considered the the number two guy in this class
1: yeah, Gibbs is uh, interesting because you know he gets comp to Alvin Kamara a lot, but he's just not as big as Kamara. I mean, he's fifteen pounds lighter than Kamara. I mean, he's, he's 5'9", 199 pounds, and those types of guys are typically hard for coaches to kind of give a lot of carries to or to touches. Period. Like you know, yeah. Christian McCaffrey is was a guy that came in light two hundreds, but he was taken eighth overall, right? Like a team committed to, to to taking him and making him a focal point of their offense. Uh, Eckler is like the other guy that like a small that's gotten to like a large workload in recent years in the NFL and but he had to cut his teeth of being just so efficient the Chargers couldn't take him off the field right and even right. the last couple of years they've talked about they don't want to give him as many touches as he's gotten it was kind of you know force fed out of necessity because the Chargers have swung and missed on a number of like day day two and three running backs the past couple of years uh so like eckler just is so much ta- he's so much more talented than the other guys so he has to be on the field that's like kind of what you're looking for gibbs he has to be so efficient i think early in his career that he forces teams to force him on the field i mean you look at his profile it's 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 like really electric he he profiles as like the best speed in space back in this class i mean he's a gr- he was a great kickoff returner uh he's got over a thousand career kick return yards he ran a four three six forty Um, but then you look at like how he was used at Alabama, uh, just 8.6% of his carries last year came in short yarded situations, uh, non-first downs needing one to three yards for a first down. And it uh, it was the lowest rate in this class on those carries. He also averages one and a half yards per carry, which was the lowest rate in this class. Uh, when he was contacted beyond the line of scrimmage, number one in this class in yards per carry. But then he was third from the bottom in this class in yards per carry when he was hit at or behind the line of scrimmage, which kind of leads into his profile. And then when Alabama was inside the five-yard line, remember this 199-pound guy, he handled just three of the 16-team running back carries. So like, the, the high-value touches, it's hard to project him getting those kind of right out of the box in the NFL. he's just He's going to have to be so good that he forces the other backs off the field. And it's just like hard to project like investing like a top 50 pick into a guy like that and saying, well, we can't arbitrage that later. Right. Like getting 80 percent of what Jameer Gibbs offers like at a cheaper cost. It's it's just really hard. Right. Because he's not Alvin Kamara in the sense of like from a size perspective. And coaches generally have a hard time giving those guys a lot of touches in the NFL unless it becomes a necessity.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and oh, I think one of the other things with trying to scout these players and see there's so much more, and we've kind of talked about it in other uh, positions where you know the context of the college offenses are you know, much different than they would be the NFL, and that's you know much more the case at running back too when you really have to like consider some of the the run schemes and everything and these offensive lines because Alabama's offensive line was not great last year especially run blocking um so to go into kind of what you were saying like Gibbs was hit at the line uh the 47 percent of his carries which is one of the highest rates um in this draft class i think only two guys were were hit at or behind the line at a higher rate um so he was stuffed uh, quite a bit um they had to you know break a lot of tackles just to get you know to the uh the line of scrimmage which he had one of the better rates of a difference between getting hit at or behind the line and being stuffed. So he was able to kind of push through to get to the line and get positive yards. Um, but again, not a lot because I think he was kind of the asked to do a lot. And again, he's, he's not the, the biggest guy to be, you know, busting some of those tackles uh, and making them big gains and when you look at like his his positive play percentage um, in, in zone was just 45 percent when Alabama ran the gap runs it was just 39 and I think a lot of that is kind of some of the offensive line there wasn't a lot of space and he's not the kind of guy like, again has a lot of speed 110 speed score and that's a, a fairly good threshold uh, of like kind of elite ish speed backs um that you're you're hitting but again when there's not this space there that's kind of where it struggles so again you're you're kind of getting a guy who is not going to completely create on his own in that way where you know a, a guy like robinson probably is because he just like the tackles like like a madman. um so that's you know kind of one of the other things you have to discount and figure out what these guys were kind of asked to do what they can do what their situation was um, and Gibbs had a, a hard time running uh, and some of those were you know, because of the offensive line. Some of them were because of, you know, some of his skill set uh, a little bit. Um, so uh, yeah, a very interesting piece that he's probably, you know, not going to be a 250 carry guy uh, at the NFL.
1: Yeah. And he's a tough guy to kind of figure out, like he could be an absolute boon for like a real life offense from a tactical value stance. Uh, but again, like, what are you paying, four at that point like with a, with a top 50 pick right
0: yeah it's one of those uh, definitely you know one of those things you you have to think about because uh he, he is widely seen as a the running back to you um in this class and i think the, the the past game helps and and maybe that that ekler role is a little bit in teams realizing you know what value in Eckler can bring, you know, after Eckler already did it, kind of one of those guys that you already paved the way. So uh, it could be something like that. So uh, if we move on to some of these other running backs, um, uh, the running back three on in your, you know, the, the pre-draft model here, and I think the, the running back three for a lot of other people, uh, Zach Charbonnet from UCLA, uh, another d- interesting guy, right, who kind of, You know, came on late uh, as a uh, transfer into UCLA, seven yards uh, per carry last year. So uh, not too bad. Uh, Again, a great zone runner, uh, you know, fairly decent uh, running routes. Um, Is there something uh, you like about uh, Zach Charbonnet that you might be interested in uh, as he gets to his next team?
1: Well, I think when you brought up the top-down look at this class and just highlighting that it's a very archetypical class. Uh, there are not a lot of guys that project to have like three-down builds in this class, and he's kind of like the top guy that stands out to where he may not be a three-down back as a rookie, but could work his way into being a three-down back. um because he's one of the few guys that has like the size production profile and was a functional receiver, although his receiving was like all check down stuff, like compared to like Gibbs and Robinson. Like when you look at like his depth of target and the, the types of targets he was getting, it was mostly all behind the line of scrimmage check down stuff. Whereas Gibbs and Robinson were getting kind of some of these, you know, wheel routes and getting used out in space. But that's a lot of the catches that running backs have in the NFL, too. Like very few right. of these guys you talked about already, like with, with, with Christian McCaffrey, like not a lot of guys are using that capacity. So if he can just catch the baseline level, that's fine. Um, but that's really it is where he stands out. Uh, you know, definitely got the, the benefit of the doubt of, like getting a lot of speed and space runs uh, in that UCLA offense. Uh, but he was number one in this class and rate of runs that result in a first down or touchdown. Uh, he had the lowest rate in this class of runs that failed to gain yardage, but he did have one of the highest rates of carries that like come with like six or fewer defenders in the box because the offense he went uh, was in. So it's like, how much that do you stock? He was a, a transfer that like out of Michigan that was stuck in like a talented group of Michigan. So was, like do you count that against him? Like, I never know how to really like properly weigh yeah. those things. Like we talked about Jameson Williams last year, right? Like if dude dude and wanted to get more playing time, right. And he did and showed that he could play. That's really all that matters. But when I look at it from like a, a three down projectable kind of archetype role, like he's the guy that stands out at six foot, 214 pounds to projects that be, be, one of these guys that you can use in all three facets uh, of the offense uh, where there are not a lot of those guys in this class.
0: Yeah, he's you know, certainly uh, an interesting hit type of prospect. Kind of what you said about how open some of the the UCLA runs were. Uh, hit at or behind the line, one of the lowest rates um, in his class, 28.2%. Uh, stuffed on 9.7% uh, of his runs, which was easily uh, the lowest in this class. But again, that was a lot due to the offense and the structure of how defenses uh, were, were playing um, with guys in the box, because the, the difference between like, getting hit at the line and getting stuffed was not one of the higher rates um, in, in this class. So he wasn't working his way into not getting stuffed uh, by, you know, you know, breaking tackles and, and dragging some contact. So um, he is, he is a, a very interesting prospect. Um, but uh, a lot of, a lot of people do like him, um, but probably, you know, are going to be, uh, in a uh in a position where he's you know getting some playing time uh as a rookie and like you said like could develop but as soon as we get into you know these you know round two back of round two round three guys um it, it's already like a it's a, a good class with with talented guys but already like not a going to lead your uh not projected to lead your, you know, running back room immediately, um, which is, which again, it, it is a tough thing, but well, I think we'll we see a lot of these guys uh, can be some, you know, fun committee guys. So um, once we get into, you know, uh, some of these other guys after, after the sharp I think those are a fairly clear, you know, top three. Are there any guys where, you know, Again, we we talked about how the the landing spot and and draft capital and and investment in these guys is going to matter so much more usually for how they produce. Uh, Are are there some guys that stand out to you where you would kind of like to see them? uh, You're kind of hoping they get some of that uh, investment and the landing spot.
1: Huh. Yeah, I mean, it's good. Like, like I said that after Charbonnet, I think that there's a big tier of guys like that, that doesn't separate a lot. So a lots gonna matter about draft capital, where these guys go, what kind of scheme they land in, what kind of just initial pathway they have to opportunity. And that's going to be a huge kind of fulcrum point of like how successful these guys are. But I don't see like a massive gap uh, in that in that kind of area. Uh, So, I mean, a couple of guys I would like to just see were waiting on draft capital, like Kendra Miller from TCU. I mean, one of the youngest running backs in his class, one of those guys that's 215 pounds, uh, you know, speed, long, long speed guy, but another one of these guys that just in TCU, like so many of his carries came with six or fewer defenders in the box. Like this wasn't like, he wasn't forced to grind out yards, didn't have like a huge receiving profile. Uh, Ty J Spears, I think is a a favorite of a lot of people. I think he is an interesting guy because like, the gap between him and Jameer Gibbs is probably closer than the NFL views it. But like Ty J. Spears and like the, the third round versus like Jameer Gibbs is like a top forty, top fifty pick. I feel like it's really good arbitrage uh, of what he can do, and I think Spears was a demonstrate better interior runner than Gibbs was. We'll see if that translates in the NFL because one guy played at Alabama and one guy played at Tulane. Yeah, uh, so
0: Spears, Spears is interesting because I, I think he was getting uh, a, a lot of steam as a guy. You know, people liked um when he kind of dove into what he did. Obviously, you know, six point nine yards per carry at Tulane uh, last year uh four yards uh after contact uh, per attempt um you know fairly good broken tackle numbers 1.9 yards per route run um but there was something i think it was you know daniel jeremiah said there there might be a, a popular running back who's going to fall um, a little more because teams are concerned with injuries, and I think like everyone at the same time was like, Oh, that must be Tajay Spears because mm-hmm. uh, he's so- only
1: 200 pounds. Same thing we talked about like, teams get because teams get this in their head, like, right? Like, oh, it's a smaller back, he's gonna be more susceptible to wear and tear and you know, get injured, even although like mathematically, like, there's no evidence to back this up, even on like inside stuff, like, there's no evidence that like 200 pound guys are less effective on the goal line than like 230 pound guys, but coaches still it's they want to archetype these guys and the running back position. It, it definitely stands out more than the other positions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's a guy who, you know, has some injury history already, which uh, yep. it certainly doesn't help. So. Um, Cause yeah, A-Chain it,
1: is like that too. Like A-Chain is
0: like,
1: I mean, the dude has like, he's really, he has like really good broken tackle numbers and yards after contact for like his size, but he's 188 pounds. Like, like what is an NFL team going to do with him?
0: It, yeah, that absolutely it <laughs> is. Yeah, it is uh, very interesting because uh, is s- small, and you would kind of think, like you would hope, there was a, you know more receiving production with with that type of you know it's smaller profile, and he ran over 200 routes, uh, which were the higher rates, but only uh 0.8 uh, yards per route run, which he doesn't really stand out as the receiving type back. Um, so you're going to be asking an NFL team to, you know, have a 180 pound uh, running back kind of running between the tackles a little more often. And again, yeah, that uh, is probably going to make some of them a little queasy.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the guy I think that's probably helped himself out the most is a Banaconda. Um... He, you know, because he's another one of those guys. Got the 216 pounds, five foot eleven. You know, ran the fast 40 on his pro day. He's very much like he's Tevin Coleman, right? Like, like for good, for better, and worse. And Tevin Coleman had a really solid NFL career. Uh, like, if you give him space, like he's gonna house. He's gonna hit you with like that 50 yard run. If you need him to break a tackle or pass protect or catch a pass, like very questionable in all of those those areas. Um, but if you put him in a zone based scheme, I think like he very much can be like a Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman type guy where you're getting like explosive plays out of him. Um, and definitely the size speed profile compared to some of these other guys, like we talked about like a chain and Spears and, uh, you know, I'm trying to get like, you know, if if, like Zach Evans is going to be, that makes like. A has got that size profile where like teams are going to definitely be allured by that, in the same capacity where we kind of talk about Quentin Johnston a little bit, the r- wide receiver position, where it's like he comes with some flaws, but he definitely fits like uh, a physical archetype. He looks type. the part. Yes, yeah. he looks the part, and that's what I think is going to really help a in this draft class.
0: Yeah, it's... and Roshan too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those are those two guys are more the the, the prototypical builds. But yeah, when you look at it, fourteen point six percent broken and missed tackles uh, per attempt—one of the lower uh, rates uh, the, in this class—which is you know certainly interesting. And when you kind of look at you know stats that do translate for some of these running backs, you know, broken tackles and, and the ability to make guys miss uh, is one of them. So if you're coming into the NFL without that type of uh, you know, ability you're probably not gaining it. Well, once you go, he's the
1: toughest type of guy to like evaluate. Cause like, you know, from a collegiate stance, you look at these running backs, he has all these like long runs where he's, but he's not touched on them. Uh, (laughs) You know, he's like, he's explosive player. And you look at uh, 70% of his carries were zone concept runs. It was second highest rate in this class. 74% of his carries were outside runs, which is, you know, third in this class. But like when he has to run inside, when he has to force a missed tackle, uh, if you look at it, he's one of the lowest running backs in this class in terms of you talk about just overall missed tackle rate. But uh, on inside runs, he's got the lowest missed tackle rate and he's uh, when hit behind the line of scrimmage, he has the lowest missed tackle rate, too. So it's very boom or bust. And then when you talk about like the pass protection stuff, which I look at, too, which is a huge deal. Right uh, to me, because the getting on the field three downs is what I care about. Because in fantasy football, I want these. We need these guys to get as many touches as possible. Uh, he allowed a lot of pressure rate on eleven percent of his snaps and pass protection. That was the third highest rate in his class. He also was second in this class in drop rate, although very small sample. He only had seventeen targets. But those are things that could roadblock him. Right, like it's great when you're getting the sixty yard run, but if you can't pass protect and they don't trust you in the pass game. Uh, we saw it happen to Clyde Edwards Solaire, because this is a big thing with Clyde edwards Solaire. Like he was a good pass receiver coming out of LSU, but he was horrendous in, in pass, pass protection protect, yeah. as a pass protector. And we saw right out of the box the Chiefs couldn't use him. They used Daryl Williams on third downs and it immediately sapped some of CH's kind of immediate value because he wasn't playing along down and distances because they didn't trust him. And it's a huge deal, man. Like if you can't pass protect, like teams are gonna get you the hell off the field.
0: Yeah absolutely and that's it's kind of one of those things uh one of the fun things i think uh sports and solutions has on on their draft site is kind of uh you know they have uh pass blocking total points and pass pro snaps per game uh for these running backs which uh very useful um and you can kind of see the roles these guys uh were were asked to play um so uh, one guy who i it when you talk about kind of a tough uh, projections a little bit uh for me that is deway mcbride from oh, uab yeah. right he's oh 1990
1: uh, he, he missed this boat 1990 this guy would have been so amazing. five
0: five eleven uh, 215 so you know he has that size uh had 233 carries last year 7.3 yards per carry uh 4.3 uh yards after contact per attempt uh 30.9 percent of broken and missed tackle rates per attempt which was one of the highest uh, in this class, uh, 52% success rate on, on zone, 55% on gap. Very good runner. Great runner. He had 35 routes last year and 0.3 yards per route run. Like, he just – he he doesn't – there's nothing in the pass game. And maybe that's a little bit of, of UAB and, and what they do. Um, but, man, that that's hard to project the, to the NFL when you are – an absolute zero uh with the receiving ability, no matter you know how explosive as a runner you might be.
1: As a raw runner, Dwayne McBride is incredible. Like so if, fun, man. Man, if Jeff Fisher was still a head coach in the NFL, he would have so much fun giving Dwayne McBride 320 carries and just letting it be that. Uh but the NFL is a little bit different now, and it's a little bit harder, kind of like you said, to project what he offers in actual NFL offense. I mean, you look at it last year. Uh, he's, he had the lowest rate of, of t- carries in this class uh, against light boxes. Only 27% of his carries came against light boxes. He, he led runs his, through dudes. It's, it's yeah. insane. There's actually a play where he gets flipped over like a helicopter and lands on his feet and, uh, and continues to pick up yardage. Um, but he also caught five career passes in college. Uh, and he also has a, has a fumble problem. And it's like hard to predict these things aren't necessarily sticky coming to the NFL, but teams will look at this, but he did have five fumbles last year and, you know, you hang on to the rock because it, it does matter for some of these teams and they're looking at these things coming into the draft, even though they may not be sticky, but as just a raw runner, like he's as good. So Bijan Robinson averaged 3.3 yards per carry on carries where he was hit at or behind the line of scrimmage. It was the second highest rate. In sports info solutions, since they were created, that the second highest rate for a draft guy that they, at a season that they've had. Third is Dwayne McBride this year, like three point two yards per carry on plays where he was hit at or behind the line of scrimmage, just right behind Bijan. Uh He also forced the missed tackle on thirty-eight percent of his carries, hit it hit it at behind the line of scrimmage, just behind Bijan. Uh, great runner, man. He just missed his error, I think, Uh, but could be one of these guys you throw into committee. Like even if he's on like the Eagles or Falcons, like we talk about, like yeah. one of those situations, like he's going to run for a lot of yards.
0: Yeah, I think that that's probably like the the type of the guy you uh, you want if you're you know one of those teams looking for you know that that second. So you or have third a mobile quarterback, quarterback yeah.
1: that doesn't use these guys in the passing game, like the Ravens, right? Like throw Dwayne McBride as a late round pick to take over for Gus Edwards.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that that's probably what you want to look at. A guy where, uh, you know, yeah, even the Bears, where you know, uh, the running back or sorry the the quarterback running is usually the checkdown, which is fine. So you don't need those guys to uh, be catching as many checkdowns. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's the type of way because like he's he's so fun, but like he, you just it gives you. nothing in, you know, one of the more important parts of of a game, even for a running back, you you do want that receiving ability. Um, And some of these guys can get by with, okay, receiving ability, having great receiving ability usually makes you a pretty good prospect. Have being a zero uh, in the pass game is is a a tough thing uh, to kind of, you know, wrap your head around when you're looking for how you're going to value these guys. One other guy I want to talk about, let's talk about the exact opposite. Uh, of that, and that's Kenny McIntosh from Georgia, who, oh yeah, fairly fairly good uh, receiving back, 182 routes, which was you know in the middle, uh, toward the upper tier of uh, this class, but 2.8 uh, yards per route run, which I believe was the the highest in this class, split out 10% of the time, um, so he has kind of that juice as a receiver, but had a terrible 40, has a 89.6% speeds or 89.6 speed score. Um, if you look at what he did at the combine, which uh, football outsider said would be one of the lowest they've ever seen for like a successful NFL running back. So I have just no idea uh, what to do with this because that speed, just uh, it's, that's another thing where it's, that's tough to comprehend um, how you kind of win in that way.
1: Yeah. And then as pro day, he did, it kind of got worse because he did jumping drills and agility drills at his combine and it's rough, man. Uh, he has the lowest in my like prospect model. His physical profile score is less than the one percentile. It's actually half percentile. <laughs> uh, it's not uh, great not not exactly great for a position that kind of revolves around athleticism and when you play like like in with georgia and all that talent to me that just like signals that like he was kind of propped up by like the environment uh and it is like a huge red flag he also was terrible as a runner right like 19 this class and yards created after contact per carry so like it's it's rough it's very rough so very sketchy uh for me he's older too he's gonna be a 23 year old rookie uh it's just he's got a really rough physical profile but does have that bed of receiving production it's just how true is that receiving like translatable to the nfl and how much of it was just created in terms of offense environment that's kind of like where my question was yeah that's
0: probably a question a lot of people are going to be asking and and maybe not worth trying to figure out right if you're right you can get you can get slightly less receiving production somewhere else to
1: be fair he probably is gonna go like if he gets drafted though like round six seven so by then what what the hell
0: right but it's just like it rarely do you see a running back who has even even if it's fake receiving production rarely do you see someone like that Whose profile is so opposite of mm-hmm. what that is, and and even at, not even to you know just go back to what the, the physical profile is. is that, yeah, the the rushing profile is not that impressive either, which kind of it goes hand in hand. But yeah, so yeah, ended up at the, the combine was a uh, was it a four four six two forty at two hundred four pounds. Yeah, is is not great. But the the funny is the the ten yard split uh and the 20 yard split's fine so the the long speed was just absolutely atrocious um you know which does hurt so
1: yeah it did very you could live with that running back if you're if you're a good runner
0: right but it just yeah that didn't translate to (laughs) um you know creating a a lot of yards either which uh, is, is is very interesting um so here we go. I mean, there there are some interesting guys like there are go like a, a you know a Tech Bixby from from Auburn. Uh, I think kind of has a a more fun, interesting receiving profile. at uh, someone who you know was kind of they held back for the offensive line uh, at Auburn too, which I think kind of hurt some of his you know raw running um, the metrics and some of his production there. Um, you know there are guys that we are going to be talking about as guys who, you know, got into the committees and, and, you know, found a way to perform a little bit in this class, which is what makes the running back class, you know, very interesting because it, it is a good class. There are some very interesting prospects here. Um The thing is just, you know, where they go. And and again, like you said, where they end up, what the draft capital invested in them is. Um, and so it, it's tough to really project these guys without knowing, because you know, so much of it is, is, like that that's what matters um you you take this guy in in the third round and, and teams are more likely going to throw them on the field than the guy they drafted in sixth um even though we know the the production probably might not be all that different but uh the, the landing spot and, and where they get drafted that matters so much but fun class Um, you know like you said it's a
1: talented group Uh, if you need a running back and you want to just or add guys to a committee and add bodies this is a great class for you to be able to get talented players uh, on day three where I think when we get to actually day three by far from a talent perspective this the running backs will be the most talented of the players available Uh, so if you're in a spot like that where you want to add a body it's a great class because it's just so much deeper than previous uh, draft classes in terms of talent, especially last year, comparable to last year as well, where we hit a firewall really early in drafts. Um, yeah. You know, you're going to be able to get guys on day three, especially even if you want guys to fit a role, right? Like, you know, you're going to have like the the Deuce Fawns, the Keaton Mitchells, the smaller, you know, speed guys, uh, generic prints, like those types of guys. If you just want them to come in and do one thing um, and play a role, like they're going to be able to do that. And you're going to be able to get those guys on day three uh, in the, in this draft.
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely uh and and that's that's gonna be the, the the fun thing to watch uh for for some of these guys and yeah they're interesting like there will be more interesting day three guys um yeah at running back than they will be at really any other position which uh is a fun thing and that's probably where, where a bunch of these guys should go but um you know can still make an impact uh, from that spot and and running back we're often in that position where those guys can batter more um, at the NFL level, then.
1: Oh, a number maybe. of these guys are going to just luck box and opportunity by default, just cause that's how, what happens at running back every year. Yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. And that's, that's the thing. Yep. So it's, it's on the table for them. Great. Pretty, pretty good class though. As I said, it's the, it's the inverse of the wide receiver class where it's talented, but there aren't enough jobs. Whereas the wide receivers, maybe not as much top-down talent as previous classes, but there's a lot of jobs for wide receivers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so There we go. That is the running back class. That'll be our final uh, positional preview uh, for uh, this draft class uh, we'll be back early uh, next week just kind of going into a, a whole overall uh, draft preview we'll have uh, Ryan McChrystal is going to join us you know he's been doing all, all of his big boards um, are, are on the site he's been doing a mock draft for us every week um, so we're going to bring him on we're going to you know talk uh, a whole bunch of uh, draft things and, and preview what's going to happen then uh, I believe the plan is uh, we'll be back for a draft recap process uh, draft recap podcast wow all right so if i'm saying that now what's it going to be like at midnight eastern uh when we're when we're doing that um so look forward to that uh so Uh, preview before the draft we'll have a recap after the draft um out hopefully uh pretty shortly for you all uh you can continue uh reading our work on sharp like i said all of ryan's stuff uh, has been there he's been doing so much draft content uh rich and i and some of the other uh, guys on the team have been running through these uh team needs and and previews just kind of running through the depth chart and and what is there or what could still be added so those are up at the site. Um, uh, you can uh, a whole bunch of uh, other work. Uh, you can be finding on the website. You can follow Rich on Twitter at you can Follow me on Twitter at Dan Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.
1: The the high value touches. It's hard to project him getting those kind of right out of the box in the NFL. He's just he's going to have to be so good that he forces the other backs off the field. And it's just like hard to project like investing like a top 50 pick into a guy like that and saying, well, we can't arbitrage that later. Right. Like getting 80% of what Jameer Gibbs offers, like at a cheaper cost, it's, it's just really hard. Right. Because he's not Alvin Kamara in the sense of like from a size perspective and coaches generally have a hard time giving those guys a lot of touches in the NFL unless it becomes a necessity.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and oh, I think one of the other things with uh, trying to uh, scout these players and see uh, there's so much more, and we've kind of talked about it in other uh, positions where you know the context of the college offenses are you know, much different than they would be the NFL, and that's you know much more the case at running back too when you really have to like consider uh, some of the the run schemes and everything and these offensive lines because Alabama's offensive line was not great last year especially run blocking um so th- to go into kind of what you were saying like gibbs was hit at the line uh the 47 percent of his carries which is one of the highest rates um in this draft class i think only two guys were, were hit at or behind the line at a higher rate um so he was stuffed uh, quite a bit um they had to you know break a lot of tackles just to get you know to the uh the line of scrimmage which he had one of the better rates of a difference between getting hit at or behind the line and being stuffed. So he was able to kind of push through to get to the line and get positive yards. Um, but again, not a lot because I think he was kind of the asked to do a lot. And again, he's, he's not the, the biggest guy to be, you know, busting some of those tackles uh, and making them big gains, and when you look at like his his positive play percentage, um, in, in zone was just forty five percent. When Alabama ran the gap runs, it was just thirty nine percent. And I think a lot of that is kind of some of the offensive line. There wasn't a lot of space, and he's not the kind of guy. Like, again, has a lot of speed, one hundred and ten speed score, and that's a, a fairly good threshold uh, of like kind of elite ish speedbacks um that you're you're hitting but again when there's not this space there that's kind of where it struggles so again you're you're kind of getting the guy who is not going to completely create on his own in that way where you know a, a guy like robinson probably is because he just like the tackles like like a madman um so that's you know kind of one of the other things you have to discount and figure out what these guys were kind of asked to do what they can do what their situation was um, and Gibbs had a, a hard time running uh, and some of those were you know, because of the offensive line. Some of them were because of, you know, some of his skill set uh, a little bit. Um, so uh, yeah, a very interesting piece that he's probably, you know, not going to be a 250 carry guy uh, at the NFL.
1: Yeah. And he's a tough guy to kind of figure out, like he could be an absolute boon for like a real life offense from a tactical value stance. Uh, but again, like, what are you paying, Four at that point like with a, with a top 50 pick right
0: yeah it's one of those uh, definitely you know one of those things you you have to think about because uh, he he is widely seen as a, the running back to um in this class and i think the, the the past game helps and and maybe that that Eckler role is a little bit in teams realizing you know what value in Eckler can bring, you know, after Eckler already did it kind of one of those guys, you already paved the way. So uh, it could be something like that. So uh, if we move on to some of these other running backs, um, uh, the running back three on, in your, you know, the, the pre-draft model here. And I think the, the running back three for a lot of other people, uh, Zach Charbonnet from UCLA, uh, another d- interesting guy, right. Who kind of, You know, came on late uh, as a uh, transfer into UCLA, seven yards uh, per carry last year. So uh, not too bad. Uh, Again, a great zone runner, uh, you know, fairly decent uh, running routes. Um, Is there something uh, you like about uh, Zach Charbonnet that you might be interested in uh, as he gets to his next team?
1: Well, I think when you brought up the top down look at this class and just highlighting that there it's a very archetypical class uh, there are not a lot of guys that project to have like three down builds in this class and he's kind of like the top guy that stands out to where he may not be a three down back as a rookie but could work his way into being a three down back um. Because he's one of the few guys that has like the size production profile and was a functional receiver, although his receiving was like all check down stuff, like compared to like Gibbs and Robinson. Like when you look at like his depth of target and the, the, the types of targets he was getting, it was mostly all behind the line of scrimmage check down stuff, whereas Gibbs and Robinson were getting kind of some of these, you know, wheel routes and getting used out in space. But that's a lot of the catches that running backs have in the NFL, too. Like very few right. of these guys you talked about already, like with, with, with Christian McCaffrey, like not a lot of guys are using that capacity. So if he can just catch the baseline level, that's fine. Um, but that's really it is where he stands out. Uh, you know, definitely got the, the benefit of not like getting a lot of speed and space runs uh, in that UCLA offense. Uh, but he was number one in this class and rate of runs that result in a first down or touchdown. Uh, he had the lowest rate in this class of runs that failed to gain yardage, but he did have one of the highest rates of carries that like come with like six or fewer defenders in the box because the offense he went uh, was in. So it's like, how much of that do you stock? He was a, a transfer that like out of Michigan that was stuck in like a talented group of Michigan. So like do you count that against him? Like, I never know how to really like properly weigh yeah. those things. Like we talked about Jameson Williams last year, right? Like if dude went and wanted to get more playing time, right. And he did and showed that he could play. That's really all that matters. But when I look at it from like a, a three down projectable kind of archetype role, like he's the guy that stands out at six foot, 214 pounds to projects that be, be one of these guys that you can use in all three facets uh, of the offense uh, where there are not a lot of those guys in this class.
0: Yeah, he's you know certainly uh, an interesting hit type of prospect. Kind of what you said about how open some of the the UCLA runs were, uh, hit at or behind the line. One of the lowest rates um, in his class, uh, twenty eight point two percent, stuffed on nine point seven uh, percent of his runs, which was easily uh, the lowest in this class. But again, that was a lot due to the offense and the structure of how defenses uh, were, were playing um, with guys in the box, because the, the difference between like, getting hit at the line and getting stuffed was not one of the higher rates um, in, in this class. So he wasn't working his way into not getting stuffed uh, by, you know, you know, breaking tackles and, and dragging some contact. So um, he is, he is a, a very interesting prospect, um, but uh, a lot of, a lot of people do like him, um, but probably, you know, are going to be, uh, in a uh in a position where he's you know getting some playing time uh as a rookie and like you said like could develop but as soon as we get into you know these you know round two back of round two round three guys um it, it's already like a it's a, a good class with with talented guys but already like not a going to lead your uh not projected to lead your, you know, running back room immediately, um, which is, which again it, it is a tough thing, but well, I think we'll we see a lot of these guys uh, can be some, you know, fun uh, committee guys. So um, once we get into, you know, uh, some of these other guys after, after the sharp next, I think those are a fairly clear, you know, top three. Are there any guys where, you know, Again, we we talked about how the the landing spot and and draft capital and and investment in these guys is going to matter so much more usually for how they produce. Uh, Are are there some guys that stand out to you where you would kind of like to see them? uh, You're kind of hoping they get some of that uh, investment and the landing spot.
1: Huh. yeah, I mean it's good like like I said, that after Charbonnet, I think that there's a big tier of guys, like that, that doesn't separate a lot. So a lot's gonna matter about draft capital, where these guys go, what kind of scheme they land in, what kind of just initial pathway they have to opportunity, and that's gonna be a huge kind of fulcrum point of like how successful these guys are. But I don't see like a massive gap uh in that in that kind of area. Uh, so, I mean, there are a couple of guys I would like to just see we're waiting on draft capital, like Kendra Miller from TCU. I mean, one of the youngest running backs in this class, one of those guys that 215 pounds, uh, you know, speed long, long speed guy, but another one of these guys that just didn't TCU, like all, so many of his carries came with six or fewer defenders in the box. Like this wasn't like, he wasn't forced to grind out yards. Didn't have like a huge receiving profile. Uh, Ty J Spears. I think is a, a favorite of a lot of people. I think he is an interesting guy. Cause like, the gap between him and Jameer Gibbs is probably closer than the NFL views it. But like Tajay Spears in like the the third round versus like Jameer Gibbs is like a top forty, top fifty pick. I feel like it's really good arbitrage uh, of what he can do. And I think Spears was a demonstrate better interior runner than Gibbs was. We'll see if that translates in the NFL because one guy played at Alabama and one guy played at Tulane. Yeah. Uh, so.
0: Spears, Spears is interesting because I, I think he was getting uh, a, a lot of steam as a guy, you know, when people liked um, when he kind of dove into what he did, obviously, you know, 6.9 yards per carry at Tulane uh, last year uh, four a yards, uh, after contact uh, per attempt um, you know fairly good, good broken tackle numbers 1.9 yards per route run um, but th- there was something I think it was you know Daniel Jeremiah said there there might be a, a popular running back who's going to fall um, a little more because teams are concerned with injuries and I think like everyone at the same time was like oh that must be Tajay Spears because mm-hmm. uh, he's so... only
1: 200 pounds same thing we talked about like teams get because teams get this in their head like right like oh it's a smaller back he's gonna be more susceptible to wear and tear and you know get injured even although like mathematically like there's no evidence to back this up even on like inside stuff like there's no evidence that like 200 pound guys are less effective on the goal line than like 230 pound guys but coaches still it's they want to archetype these guys and the running back position it it definitely stands out more than the other positions
0: yeah absolutely and i think he's a guy who you know has some injury history already which uh yep. it certainly doesn't help so um because a yeah, chain
1: is like that too like a chain is
0: like
1: i mean the dude had like he's really he has like really good broken tackle numbers and yards after contact for like his size but the- he's 188 pounds like a, like what is an nfl team going to do with him
0: it, yeah that absolutely it <laughs> is yeah it is uh, very interesting because uh is a s- small and you would kind of think like you would hope there was, you know, more receiving production with with that type of, you know, it's smaller profile. And he ran over 200 routes, uh, which were the higher rates, but only uh, 0.8 uh, yards per route run, which he doesn't really stand out as the receiving type back. Um, so you're going to be asking an NFL team to, you know, have a 180 pound uh, running back kind of running between the tackles a little more often. And again, yeah, that uh, is probably going to make some of them a little queasy.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the guy I think that's probably helped himself out the most is a um He, you know, cause he's another one of those guys got the 216 pounds, five foot 11, you know, ran the fast 40 on his pro day. He's very much like he's Tevin Coleman, right? Like, like for good, for better and worse And Tevin Coleman had a really solid NFL career. Uh Like if you give, him space like he's gonna house he's gonna hit you with like that 50 yard run. if you need him to break a tackle or pass protect or catch a pass like very questionable in all of those those areas um but if you put him in a zone-based scheme i think like he very much can be like a raheem mostert tevin coleman type guy where you're getting like explosive plays out of him um and definitely the size speed profile compared to some of these other guys like we talked about like a chain and spears and. Uh, you know, I'm trying to get like, you know, if, if like Zach Evans is going to be that makes like, Abanikanda's got that size profile where like teams are going to definitely be allured by that. In the same capacity where we kind of talk about Quentin Johnston a little bit, the wide receiver position, where it's like he comes with some flaws, but he definitely fits like uh, a physical archetype. He class. looks the part. Yes, yeah. he looks the part, and that's what I think is going to really help Abanikanda in this draft class.
0: Yeah, it's and Roshan too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those are those are two guys are more the, the the prototypical builds. But yeah, when you look at it, in fourteen point six percent broken and, and missed tackles uh, per attempt—one of the lower uh, rates uh, the, in this class—which is you know certainly interesting. And when you kind of look at you know stats that do translate for some of these running backs, you know, broken tackles and, and the ability to make guys miss uh, is one of them. So if you're coming into the NFL without that type of uh, yeah, ability you're probably not gaining it. Well, once you go, he's pros, the
1: so. toughest type of guy to like evaluate. Cause like, yeah. a, you know, from a collegiate stance, you look at these running backs, he has all these like long runs where he's, but he's not touched on them. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's a, he's an explosive player. And you look at uh, 70% of his carries were zone concept runs. It was second highest rate in this class. 74% of his carries were outside runs, which is, you know, third in this class. But like when he has to run inside, when he has to force a missed tackle, uh, if you look at he's one of the lowest running backs in this class in terms of you talk about just overall missed tackle rate. But uh, on inside runs, he's got the lowest missed tackle rate. And he's uh, when hit behind the line of scrimmage, he has the lowest missed tackle rate, too. So it's very boomer bust. And then when you talk about like the pass protection stuff, which I look at, too, which is a huge deal. Uh, right. to me because the getting on the field three downs is what I care about. Because in fantasy football, I want these. We need these guys to get as many touches as possible. Uh, he allowed a lot of pressure rate on eleven percent of his snaps and pass protection. That was the third highest rate in his class. He also was second in his class in drop rate, although he very small sample. He only had seventeen targets. But those are things that could roadblock him, right? Like it's great when you're getting the sixty yard run, but if you can't pass protect and they don't trust you in the pass game. Uh, we saw it happen to Clyde Edwards-Solaire because this is a big thing with Clyde edwards Like He was a good pass receiver coming out of LSU, but he was horrendous in, in pass, pass protection protect, yeah. as a pass protector. And we saw right out of the box the Chiefs couldn't use him. They used Daryl Williams on third downs, and it immediately sapped some of CH's kind of immediate value because he wasn't playing along down and distances because they didn't trust him. And it's a huge deal, man. Like If you can't pass protect, like teams are going to get you the hell off the field.
0: Yeah absolutely and that's it's kind of one of those things uh one of the fun things i think uh sports and facilities has on on their draft site is kind of uh you know they have uh pass blocking total points and pass pro snaps per game uh for these running backs which uh very useful um and you can kind of see the roles these guys uh were were asked to play um so uh, one guy who i when you talk about kind of a tough uh, projections a little bit uh for me that is Dwayne mcbride from oh, uab yeah. right he's oh
1: 1990 uh, he he missed this boat 1990 this guy
0: would have been so amazing. five five eleven uh, 215 so you know he has that size uh had 233 carries last year 7.3 yards per carry uh 4.3 uh yards after contact per attempt uh 30.9 percent of broken and missed tackle rates per attempt which was one of the highest uh, in this class, uh, 52% success rate on, on zone, 55% on gap. Very good runner. Great runner. He had 35 routes last year and 0.3 yards per route run. Like, he just – he he doesn't – there's nothing in the pass game. And maybe that's a little bit of, of UAB and, and what they do. Um, but, man, that that's hard to project the, to the NFL when you are – an absolute zero uh with the receiving ability no matter you know how explosive as a runner you might be
1: as a raw runner dwayne mcbride is incredible like so if, fun man Man, if jeff fisher was still a head coach in the nfl you have so much fun giving dwayne mcbride 320 carries and just letting it be that uh but the nfl is a little bit different now and it's a little bit harder kind of like you said to project what he offers in actual nfl offense i mean you look at it last year uh, he's, he had the lowest rate of, of t- carries in this class uh, against light boxes. Only 27% of his carries came against light boxes. He, he led runs this- through dudes. It's, it's yeah. insane. There's actually a play where he gets flipped over like a helicopter and lands on his feet and, uh, and continues to pick up yardage. Um, but he also caught five career passes in college. Uh, and he also has a, has a fumble problem. And it's like hard to predict like these things aren't necessarily sticky coming in the NFL, right. but teams will look at this, but he did have five fumbles last year. And, you know, you hang on to the rock because it, it does matter for some of these teams. And they're looking at these things coming into the draft, even though they may not be sticky, but as just a raw runner, like he's as good. So Bijan Robinson averaged 3.3 3 yards per carry on carries where he was hit at or behind the line of scrimmage. It was the second highest rate. In sports info solutions, since they were created, that the second highest rate for a draft guy that in a season that they've had third is Dwayne McBride this year like 3.2 yards per carry on plays where he was hit at or behind the line of scrimmage, just right behind Bijan. Uh, he also forced the missed tackle on 38 percent of his carries hit it, hit it at behind the line of scrimmage, just behind Bijan. Um, uh, great runner, man. He just missed his error, I think. Uh, but could be one of these guys you throw into committee like even if he's on like the Eagles or Falcons like we talk about like yeah. one of those situations like he's going to run for a lot of yards.
0: Yeah, I think that that's probably like the the type of the guy you uh, you want if you're you know one of those teams looking for you know that that Especially if you have a mobile back. quarterback yeah.
1: that doesn't use these guys in the passing game like the Ravens, right? Like throw Dwayne McBride as a late round pick to take over for Gus Edwards?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that that's probably what you want to look at. A guy where uh you know, yeah, even the bears where, you know, uh the running back or sorry, the the quarterback running is usually the checkdown. Which is fine. So you don't need those guys to uh, be catching as many checkdowns. Um mm-hmm. yeah, that that's the type of way because like he's he's so fun, but like he, you just it gives you nothing in, you know, one of the more important parts of of a game, even for running back, you you do want that receiving ability. Um, And some of these guys can get by with okay, receiving ability, having great receiving ability usually makes you a pretty good prospect. Have being a zero uh, in the pass game is is a a tough thing uh, to kind of, you know, wrap your head around when you're looking for how you're going to value these guys. One other guy I want to talk about, let's talk about the exact opposite. Uh, Of that. And that's Kenny McIntosh from Georgia, who, oh, yeah. Fairly, fairly good uh, receiving back, 182 routes, which was, you know, the middle, uh, toward the upper tier of uh, this class, but 2.8 yards per route run, which I believe was the the highest in this class, split out 10% of the time. Um, So he has kind of that juice as a receiver, but had a terrible 40, has a 89.6% Eighty-nine point six percent speed or eighty-nine point six speed score. Um, if you look at what he did at the combine, which uh, Football outsider said would be one of the lowest they've ever seen for like a successful NFL running back. So I have just no idea uh, what to do with this because that speed just uh, it, that's another thing where it's thats tough to comprehend um, how you kind of win in that way.
1: Yeah, and then his pro day, he did – it kind of got worse because he did jumping drills and agility drills at his combine, and it's rough, man. Uh He has the lowest – in my, like, prospect model, his physical profile score is less than the one percentile. It's actually half percentile. <laughs> uh, it's not great. Uh, not not exactly great for a position that kind of revolves around athleticism. And when you play like like in with Georgia and all that talent, to me that just like signals that like he was kind of propped up by like the environment. Uh, and it is like a huge red flag. He also was terrible as a runner, right? Like, 19 in this class and yards created after contact per carry. So like it's it's rough. It's very rough. So very sketchy uh for me he's an older too he's gonna be a 23 year old rookie uh it's just he's got a really rough physical profile but does have that bed of receiving production it's just how true is that receiving like translatable to the nfl and how much of it was just created in terms of offense environment that's kind of like where my question was
0: yeah that's probably a question a lot of people are going to be asking and, and maybe not worth trying to figure out right if you're right if you're probably, yeah. you can get you can get slightly less receiving production somewhere else
1: to be if fair he probably go is there. gonna go like if he gets drafted though like round six seven so uh, by then what what the hell
0: <laughs> right but it's just like it rarely do you see a running back who has even even if it's fake receiving production or rarely do you see someone like that Whose profile is so opposite of mm-hmm. what that is, and and even at, not even to you know just go back to what the the physical profile is. is that, yeah, the the rushing profile is not that impressive either, which kind of it goes hand in hand. But yeah, so yeah, ended up at the, the combine was a uh, was it a four four six two forty at two hundred four pounds. Yeah, is is not great. But the the funny is the the ten yard split uh and the 20 yard split's fine so the, the long speed was just absolutely atrocious um you know, which does hurt so yeah it did very which you could live with that running back if you're can, if you're a good runner right it, but it just yeah that didn't translate to <laughs> yeah. um you know creating a, a lot of yards either which uh, is, is is very interesting um so here we go. I mean, there there are some interesting guys like there are go like a, a you know a Tech Bixby from from Auburn. Uh, I think kind of has a a more fun, interesting receiving profile. Uh, someone who you know was kind of they held back for the offensive line. Uh, at Auburn too, which I think kind of hurt some of his you know raw running, um, the metrics and some of his production there. Um, you know there are guys that we are going to be talking about as guys who you know got into the committees and and you know found a way to perform a little bit in this class which is what makes the running back class you know very interesting because it it is a good class there are some very interesting prospects here um the thing is just you know where they go and and again like you said where they end up what the draft capital invested in them is um and so it's tough to really project these guys without knowing because so much of it is is like that that's what matters um you you take this guy in in the third round and and teams are more likely going to throw them on the field than the guy they drafted in sixth um even though we know the the production probably might not be all that different but uh the the landing spot and where they get drafted matters so much but the f- fun class, um, you know, like you said, yeah, like- it's a
1: talented group. Uh, if you need a running back and you want to just or add guys to a committee and add bodies, this is a great class for you to be able to get talented players. Uh, on day three, where I think when we get to actually day three, by far from a talent perspective, this the running backs will be the most talented of the players available. Uh, so if you're in a spot like that where you want to add a body, it's a great class because it's just so much deeper than previous uh, draft classes in terms of talent, especially last year, comparable to last year as well, where we hit a firewall really early in drafts. Um, yeah. You know, you're going to be able to get guys on day three, especially even if you want guys to fit a role, right? Like, you know, you're going to have like the, the Deuce Fawns, the Keaton Mitchells, the smaller, you know, speed guys, uh, generic prints, like those types of guys, if you just want them to come in and do one thing um, and play a role, like they're going to be able to do that. And you're going to be able to get those guys on day three uh, in the, in this draft.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, and and that's that's going to be the, the the fun thing to watch uh, for for some of these guys, and yeah, they're interesting. Like, th- there will be more interesting day three guys, um, yeah, at running back than there will be at really any other position. Which uh, is a fun thing, and that's probably where where a bunch of these guys should go, but um, you know, can still make an impact uh, from that spot and, and running back. We're often in a position where those guys can batter more um at the nfl level then
1: oh a number of these guys are gonna just luck box and opportunity by default just because that's how what happens at running back every year yeah Uh, (laughs) absolutely and that's the thing yep so it's it's on the table for them great pretty pretty good class though as i said it's the it's the inverse of the wide receiver class where it's talented but there aren't enough jobs whereas the wide receivers maybe not as much top-down talent as previous classes but there's a lot of jobs for wide receivers
0: yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) so There we go. That is the running back class. That'll be our final uh, positional preview uh, for uh, this draft class uh, we'll be back early uh next week just kind of going into a, a whole overall uh draft preview we'll have uh, Ryan McChrystal is going to join us you know he's been doing all, all of his big boards um are, are on the site he's been doing a box draft for us every week um so we're gonna bring him on we're going to you know talk uh, a whole bunch of uh, draft things and, and preview what's going to happen then uh, I believe the plan is uh we'll be back for a draft recap process uh draft recap p- podcast Wow. All right. So if I'm saying that now, what's it going to be like at midnight Eastern uh, when, yeah, we're, yeah. when we're doing that? Um, so look forward to that. Uh, so uh, preview before the draft we'll have a recap after the draft um out hopefully uh pretty shortly for you all uh you can continue uh reading our work on sharpfootballanalysis.com. like i said all of ryan's stuff uh, has been there he's been doing so much draft content uh rich and i and some of the other uh, guys on the team have been running through these uh team needs and, and previews just kind of running through the depth chart and, and what is there or uh, what could still be added so those are up at the site um, uh, you can, uh, a whole bunch of other work uh, you can be finding on the website. You can follow Rich on Twitter at you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.